Yo, what's up, man? What's up, Gaffa? How you doing, buddy? Good. How you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Welcome back to another Footy and Coffee Conversations. You have your coffee out? Absolutely. What kind are you drinking? Oh, good old, uh, I think, Starbucks French Roast. A little bit of, uh, just a little bit of honey added to it. A little bit of honey? Mm-hmm. Is that the, is that the play? Usually I go either black or honey and a little bit of milk. Ooh, I've never done the honey in coffee. I've only done it in tea. It's it's pretty tasty. I might need to yeah. might need to give that a try. As I say, you as a barista should kind of know that, right? You know, uh, <laughs> we're using that term as loosely as possible. Me as a guy who could take out trash and refill coffee cups <laughs> is more probably accurate than barista. I feel like that's well, uh, it's, it's just, disrespectful to the people who actually know how to make a cup of coffee. Well, I'm just trying to give you a little bit more credit, you know? <laughs> Incredible. Um, oh, all right, so just to get get started, uh, introduce yourself, your name, your position, uh, what club you're currently signed with. What's up, guys? My name is Tony Halterman. I'm a goalkeeper, and I'm signed with Sporting Christina. There we go. Exciting times. Yeah, so you're obviously our, our newest goalie addition to the club, so... Uh, right now with the coronavirus, uh, back in back in Chicago land, hanging out, chilling, yeah. waiting until right. till we get cleared to start training as a team together. Um, yeah. To get started, if you just want to talk a little bit about your youth career, where did you grow up playing? Uh, what did club soccer look like for you? How did you decide on uh, on uh, what college to go to? Um. Honestly, I think, uh, you know, as a youth career, when I started out, I started playing through the Y uh, and just local town teams, you know, nothing flashy like that. Um, just kind of through that, people that I played against that were playing on like elite club level teams and stuff like that saw me play. Um, they ended up needing goalkeepers. So, you know, they brought me into training with them one day. Coach asked me to come on and play. Um, so through that, I was able to make it to some elite travel level teams and, you know, kind of ran the gauntlet of playing Illinois and Indiana at the same time, uh, was fortunate enough to like go out to Vegas for some big trips and, and turn tournaments and things like that. Uh, didn't really ever do anything club level wise, um, with the Chicago magic until kind of that whole DA system started up kind of right at the beginning of that, that would have been like my senior year. So 2008, roughly, uh, kind of when I made that transition to more of that really elite level of the club system. But as far as starting out, I never actually started out as a goalkeeper. Um, I was a field player and we didn't have a keeper show up one day. So they just kind of asked who wanted to do it and volunteered and kind of just took off from there. Um, some of the kids that I grew up with, one of the guys that I've been playing with since really like I was three or four, um, his dad was the assistant coach for the high school team that I was okay. going to end up going to. Uh, so in my middle school years, I was fortunate enough that I was actually able to go and start training with the varsity team uh, as a middle schooler. So I got oh, wow. acclimated to kind of what that level was going to be like. And um, then got into high school as a freshman, started playing with varsity right away. So I was varsity all four years, uh, helped the team get to state my freshman year. Um, and then just had a pretty, uh, I guess, 
I would say a pretty accomplished um, high school career around here. And uh, that led to a lot of different colleges wanting to look at me. And I settled for, uh, well, not settled, uh, ended up deciding on going to a small Division three school, uh, DePaul University down in Greencastle, Indiana. Um, you know, that seemed like it was going to be one of the best options for me. And uh, my freshman and sophomore year, we were in a conference called, uh, I believe it was the SCAC. Um, and so basically what that entailed is schools from Texas, Colorado, Ohio, Kentucky. Uh, we were spread out all over the country. So my freshman and sophomore year, I was fortunate enough to be able to travel all over the country, kind of like those major D1 schools do to play games. And, um, you know, got to experience a lot of cool different places around the states because of that. Um, leading into my junior and senior year, then we actually had a change of conference because our conference at the time, the SCAC didn't have a end of the season conference tournament. So we got snubbed my sophomore year from an NCAA bid because Jeez. we didn't have a conference tournament. Oh, wow. And for us at the time, um, my sophomore year in particular, the number one team in the country was Trinity and mm. Trinity was in our conference. So they won the conference outright and they got the bid to, to the tournament. So we lost to them one, nothing that year. And then the number two team in the country wasn't in our conference, but they were on our schedule. We lost to them like two to one in overtime, I believe. Uh, so those were only two losses of the season. And I'd say the biggest shock of my sophomore year was the fact that we went like 14, two and two, I believe, and got snubbed on a bid into the NCAA tournament. It was funny. They actually had a, a poll across all NCAA divisions and we were the I think winning vote as far as what the biggest surprise of the NCAA tournaments were is, is that That's, we didn't uh, get that bid. Not the award you're trying to win. <laughs> not <laughs> at all. Uh, before, um, real quick before we go on, just in the comments, uh, we got Yane Smed saying, you know, if you're a sporting goalie, you need to be a good guy. I think that's true, but I also think he's biased, being that he was a former sporting goalie himself. <laughs> so might have a little agenda there. Uh, Casey Ingves is the goalkeeper coach. So he's saying welcome. His son is counting you up, talking, you. calling it uh, wish pods and stuff like that. So just <laughs> you can just feel free to ignore him because he's, he's, uh, oh, he's like CNN, I guess. He's like fake news. So. Fake news, <laughs> fake news alerts. Oh boy! I was I was giving him a hard time for he had uh, AirPods in earlier today, and I asked him if they were from Wish. So now he's just taking my <laughs> my joke on him and spreading the love. That's not cool. Um, before before we talk about more into your university um, years, when you're in high school, are you thinking professional soccer is a realistic option? Is that even on the radar? Um, I I mean, I guess at the time that's every kid's dream, right? Is to go on and play. You know at the highest level that they can possibly reach, whether that's the college level and, and beyond. Um, I guess, I don't know if I ever thought that it was like a, a possibility. I, I thought that I would have an opportunity to make a good collegiate career out of it. Um, and if, you know, something transpired from there, then it did. Um, but my main goal when I was in high school was just to continue playing. You know, I, I never wanted to stop playing. So, do whatever I could possibly do to get to that next level. And then once I got to that next level, figure out what the steps were going to be after that point. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, for me, I, I tried to do the ODP. I tried to do all the right things that I could do, you know, as a middle schooler and in high school to help me succeed, to get to that next level, right. you know, wherever that was going to take me, whatever, you know, NAIA, junior college, NCAA, whatever level that was going to take me. I was just trying to do whatever I could do to get there. Um, yeah. I guess I will, will say on top of that, you know, I was, I was also a multi-sport athlete. So uh, I was running track at the same time uh, in the off seasons to do whatever I could to stay in shape for the game. Um, and actually ended up running track, uh, my freshman year of college as well. Okay. Um, and so, then just decided to stop to focus just on soccer. Yeah. Um, I actually placed, uh, I was a long jumper. That's what I ended up doing my freshman year of college. Um, but I had run track from middle school. So from sixth grade all the way up to my freshman year of college and, uh, you know, placed in our conference championship for track. And then at that point, I kind of decided, well, I'm missing too much of the spring season that's going on and, you know, needing to be around the team. Uh, so, you know, from that point on, I decided I wasn't going to be able to do it. But the biggest contributing factor that was after my sophomore soccer season ended, uh, I was awarded the captaincy. So I needed to be around to take control of things, you know, for that spring season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. Absolutely. It seems like uh, multi-sport athletes is good, but then eventually, yeah, you got to, at some point, yeah. you usually have to end up choosing to, to yeah. really focus on something. You know, when you're young, I, I guess that's probably one of the biggest things I would say is when you're young, I think you need to do as much as you can uh, as far as multi-sports go, because it works on so many different um facets of the game you know you work playing basketball playing baseball you know playing american football doing all these different things works on a lot of different parts to just increase your overall athleticism and i think that's one of the biggest things uh you know that has helped me especially in my position as a goalkeeper it's just the athleticism that i've gained from you know those different areas of sports 100 percent, yeah so sophomore year you guys get snubbed from the tournament um, talk then about, about your junior and senior year at university, um, has professional soccer started at that point to become, uh, more of a realistic option going forward? Yeah. So, uh, just real quick. So freshman, sophomore year, you know, I, I played, but wasn't significant time. You know, I was getting in matches, but not starting on a consistent basis. So, um, junior year we come in. I've been awarded the captaincy, and it's a, it's a funny story, actually. So there was another goalkeeper there at the time. He was a senior. Um, him and I were both awarded captaincies that year. So I was like, you know, what what do you do, right? Yeah. Um, so I actually, the first four matches of the season, I started on the bench, which was frustrating for me. as like the captain of the team, you know, I'm not playing, uh, we're not doing well. So I got people coming up to me, you know, asking me why we're not, why I'm not playing, why things are going wrong. And it's like, you know, there's just some things I can't answer for you guys right now. Um, so it was, a, it was a frustrating point in my career. Um, and I actually, you know, had contemplated and brought up the possibility of a transfer at, at that point. Um, so plot twist in the story that night after I brought that stuff up with my coach, I actually got a call back and became our right outside back. And we played a three, four, three system. And I went from goal to a right back, uh, my junior year. But, um, I 
ended up, I started the very next match that we had, which just happened to be our first match of the conference season play and started every single minute after that and ended up being an all-conference defender. And uh, the one condition for me playing on the field was that as soon as my senior year hit, I had to go back and goal. Um, so at that point, you know, as far as the professional outlook goes is a lot, you know, I really haven't gotten that many minutes in goal cause I've spent an entire season playing, you know, right back. Um, I thought I could still make it work, but it was a real outside shot at this point. Mm-hmm. Enter senior year. Um, you know, it's, it's all me junior year. I led our team to, um, a conference title first conference title. And I can't remember how many years. Um, got us a bid into the NCAA tournament and then senior year comes around. I'm in goal. I started every single match. Um, at one point during the season, I went on like a 10 match, uh, shutout streak, which unfortunately ended because no, not, you know, not bad. And the best part about that is it ended because one of my forwards slotted a header on me. And that's how my shutout streak ended. Uh, He went up on a long throw to clear the ball and just powered it top bins on me. Oh, wonderful goal. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, but again, you know, I led us to another um, conference title, was an all-conference goalkeeper, um, all-region goalkeeper, things like that. And fortunately for me at that time, uh, one of my club coaches growing up and my goalkeeper trainer was a uh, the goalkeeper coach for the Columbus crew. So since most of our conference matches now were in Ohio and in around that area, um, I contacted him kind of right at the beginning of my senior year and said, hey, you know, this is where I'm at. Uh, we play a lot of matches that are going to be out here in your area. If you ever have some time and come out to, you know, to take a look, that would be awesome. So because of that, I had um, – scouts from the Columbus crew uh, and him and coaches coming out to just about every single match that I had in Ohio. Um, not bad, not bad. No, not bad at all for the Division three level, you know. Uh, the other side of that was I had a friend that I played to uh, with in high school, Eric Gehrig, who mm-hmm. was at the Columbus crew at the time. Um, so that was kind of another in for me there with the, the Columbus crew. Uh, so senior season ends, you know, the awards, everything gets established, uh, just before the, uh, tournament basically came out, the NCAA tournament came out is when I made my decision that as soon as this season's over, you know, I'm leaving school because I had offers already to go and join the Columbus crew in preseason, you know, after having watched everything in the conference play, they decided that they wanted to bring me in for preseason. And there was just no feasible way to continue to go to school and, you know, do that. And it was one of those things where, well, if I start the semester and then ended up signing, you know, how do I lose basically all that money that I paid for already for that semester? You know, so for me, it, it made more sense to just cut ties with it after, you know, that season ended and and start my career so that's basically how the the transition to the professional ranks made you know like i said i was fortunate i had a coach growing up that made it to that level and uh he was very fond of me growing up so that made that transition that made that connection happen and you know from there that's how i got my first look into the the professional arena 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you're probably more of a unique in that sense of having a coach from a younger age that had that experience. I think maybe yeah. now, nowadays, younger players, uh, that's more common with coaches, but all, yeah, too, absolutely. all too often with our age group and up, it was, you know, some random dad at first coaching and you, they didn't know what they were doing. Exactly. Uh, that was the same way for me. I mean, like I said, playing all the town stuff and the why stuff, you know, it was my dad or somebody else that, you know, his dad was on the team. Uh, my dad played American football growing up and in college. So it was like, he didn't really know much about the game, but he, you know, he knew how to train you and, and get you ready for a sport. Um, but like you said, now just the way that the modern game has changed, it's, kids are a lot more fortunate these days having guys that have played at, at various levels and high collegiate levels that can come in and help make an impact directly from that young age. So yeah, I was, I was very fortunate from that stance that I had that, you know, growing up. Yeah. Probably, probably why most of us growing up were in teams that were not so technical, but could run a lot. Exactly. <laughs> the, the, the parents right. were like, well, they need to run, so go do yeah, that. Let's just just go and run, and you know, at least you'll be able to outwork the other players. Exactly. Uh, so, what's what's going in the preseason with Columbus like? What's what's uh, that experience? Uh, I'd say the only the only downside of that was I had to get my wisdom teeth pulled like two days before that happened. So, I was coming off of that a little bit uh, nervous, obviously, but it was more like a nervous excitement. You know, it's like okay, you know, I'm here, I, I've, I've gotten into this arena, uh, I'm getting my chance. So, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be some nerves there. But I guess the way that I look at it is if, if you're not always nervous or a little bit nervous about it, then you don't really care about what you're doing. So, you know, some nerves are a good thing. Um, and like I said, it helped having a friend there that I grew up playing with that was, I went to high school with. Um, that was already there. So that helped make that transition a little bit easier for me. He was able to kind of walk me through some of the things that I needed to be on the lookout for and, and kind of help me gel with the players a bit more. Um, unfortunately, you know, it, uh, they ended up going a different route that, you know, that's how the game works. And, um, so I left there and ended up signing with the Kitsap Pumas who was in the, the PDL at the time, but, they were um, grandfathered in as one of the clubs that was fully professional, allowed to play player, pay players. Mm -hmm. I think they were one of two or three other clubs at the time playing that PDL level with, you know, full professional contracts. So I went there and, and had myself a pretty good year out there. Um, ended up winning like player of the month at the end of my, my time out there and made a lot of good connections, made some, made some good memories, you know, being out in Seattle it's a gorgeous city. Um, we played a lot of matches up in Canada. So going to um, Vancouver and uh, British Columbia, we went to Victoria. That's a beautiful city. So it was Amazing. a lot of, lot of unique experiences for me at that point in time. Um, I guess one thing, though, real quick that I, that I did skip over um, as far as that mentality to, okay, the professional level is going to happen. Uh, after my freshman year, I was invited to go train with Red Star Belgrade out in Serbia um, to get ready for my sophomore year. So I guess once that kind of happened, then that's kind of when I thought there was a realistic possibility of, uh, you know, making that, that transition. And then, you know, like I said, the way that things transpired after that, not having played much sophomore year, uh, going to the field junior year, I thought, oh, now there's an outside shot of it. But um yeah, so that's kind of how 
all that transition to get me to, you know, the first professional level that I played at or first professional contract <laughs> that I signed. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, a little bit of a roller coaster, but, but you got there. It seems uh, to I, be uh, every player that has some interesting route to get there eventually. Yeah. You know, the, uh, the twists and turns are, are what make for an interesting story. That's for sure. hundred percent. It's all, it's all about the ride getting there, you know? I, it makes it makes my job more interesting than well, I trained and then I played and then I made it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to have a good story. I, th- I think that's kind of all part of uh, what makes each player unique at that professional level. Is every everybody's got a, an interesting story about how they got there and, and what it took. Some people, like you said, have that direct route. It's like, oh, well, you know, I trained and the kid that I played with, his dad was a, a coach at some high, you know. <laughs> professional level and so i got my in there and some people it's like well you know i uh bounce around country to country uh slept in the back of trucks at times and yeah i was one of the i was one of those people you know there was this a summer there where i was working and sleeping out of the back of the truck because i was bouncing around to all the different uh you know professional tryouts that i had you know preseasons and stuff that i had gotten into yeah we had a guy in last night talking about having to bartend before he made it and he would finish you know at like two in the morning and then have to be up at six going back to start training again and it's always there's uh, always some grind story involved i um i spent the summer after so after uh, after the kids at pumas when i moved out um to i actually came back played chicago inferno for just a little bit before they dropped that program shout out inferno yeah uh, right after that, so that's when I moved to the East Coast. That um, ASL league, the American mm-hmm. Soccer League, was starting up out there, and somebody that I had played with in Seattle was on one of those teams. Said, "Hey, we need a keeper." Um, so I drove out there, but I worked nights restoring floors, um, and I had to do that obviously when the business is closed. So I basically worked from you know about six anywhere started between six to eight p.m. till you know sometimes two in the morning. Uh, slept in the back of a truck to wake up for training the next morning and then did it all over again until uh you know that started up through that um the guy that was the general manager i believe uh had a connection to the detroit waza so that's how i got my first introduction into playing professional indoor when the i think it's still called the masl right yeah what yeah. the yeah that that arena league uh so i spent time that would have been 2014, December of 2014, January 2015, um, that I spent time playing uh, professional indoor soccer, and then uh, that was that was an interesting turn of events for me. Yeah, for whole, the, whole different ball game. For those who don't know, uh, indoor soccer in the U.S. is played almost essentially on like a hockey rink with artificial grass. Yep. So you have That's walls right. and boards. Um, I think some positions, obviously, it's different passing off of boards and all, but I think for the keeper position, now you have rebounds um, and things that you never had yeah. in normal shooting. Then, so what, that is the was, worst part. What was it like playing indoor soccer as a goalie? You know, I can tell you it's, it is a fun atmosphere. I enjoyed the atmosphere that I was in. I mean, when I played out in Milwaukee and out in Rochester, um we had anywhere from three to five thousand fans and they you know they treat it just like an nhl game there's music that's playing when Uh stuff's happening um the fans are really intense 
So it was a lot of fun, but from a goalkeeper standpoint, man, that takes a toll on your body, you know, because like you said, there's all these rebounds. So at certain points, you're just throwing your body around just because you got to get something on the ball to keep it from going in. So there was a lot of, a lot of times I saved the ball with my face. I will say that. Um, I think the, the biggest thing for me that I didn't like was how much they mandated playing off the boards, you know, because for me, it's like, well, I'm trying to play professionally outdoor. You know, I'm not trying to make a career out of this indoor. So I need to do the right things that I'm going to do when I get to the outdoor level. Yeah. So, you know, playing balls directly into a target striker. You know, I'm playing directly into his chest, into his feet. Whereas indoor, you know, they want it off the boards coming into him or over him to come back to him. That was probably the hardest adjustment for me is because, you know, that's not the way that I play. It's like, I have to play this directly and there is no coming back off of anything to, to get to him in the outdoor game. So I, you know, spent a couple months doing that and kind of just decided that really wasn't for me. Um, and then I did a lot of like the soccer visa combines, things like that. Mm-hmm. And through all of those, um, I actually had a coach in Sweden. So this would have been 2016, I believe. Yeah, 2016, the goalkeeper coach for a club in Sweden saw my profile, saw my CV, and I uh, got an invite from that to go out to Sweden. So that's how I made that transition over to over to Europe. You know, I had bounced around a lot of different preseasons um, with USL clubs, and you know, it's just nothing ever worked out. I'm only you know six foot six one, and unfortunately for the the American style of goalkeepers, you got to be, you know, six four, six five. Yeah, Minnesota, or not Minnesota, U.S. in general, it seems is uh, decision making based on like NFL type stock of players' height and weight, and decide pretty on much, that yeah. in the soccer world as well. I mean, I have friends yeah. that they're like, "Oh, you'd be you, you're good enough to play at this level, but you're two inches shorter than what we want in that position." Yeah, exactly. So. We got a question from Matty Matt. Said best keeper coach at College of Southern Maryland. I'd say. Hey, that was that was hey. a good time. I I did I did spend a uh, one season out there coaching at uh, College of Southern Maryland. I helped coach the men's and women's team out there. And uh, during that same time, I also was an assistant coach for a varsity side called uh, La Plata High School. Shout out La Plata. That was that was a good little time out there. Yeah. Um, so then you get, you get to Sweden, uh, talk about that experience now, talk about what's happened since then. Um, all right. So I get out to Sweden, like I said, this would have been March, 2016 time, uh, club had already started playing, obviously, um, they're in preseason playing some Swedish cup matches and things like that. Um, for me, I was extremely fortunate because all of the players that I met there at that time that were in the club, um, had all played, you know, Champions League and Europa League matches. They had that type of caliber players, um, all guys from the Balkan area, all guys from Serbia, from Macedonia, from Croatia. Um, so that was an incredible learning experience for me, you know, getting mm-hmm. to be around those athletes that had had made it, you know I mean? Playing Champions League, that's kind of the pinnacle of, you know, what you can get to. They're not much played- better than that. <laughs> You played Champions League. You've played matches for your national team. Uh, you're one of the top players in your country. Like, 
that's an incredible environment to be but, in. But did they win a high school, you know, conference <laughs> championship? No. <laughs> you know, I'd say they probably spent a lot more time playing like youth champions league and things like that. That might be just a little bit better than a high school have, championship. Have they ever have they ever won the turkey uh, Thanksgiving three v three tournament at their local YMCA? You know, I can't, are, I can't say they've won the Got Milk three v threes or a or a Lego Lamb playing in a three v three tournament. Uh, you know, so, that's something. pretty. That's pretty comparable, though. I hope I hope you know they may be bragging to their friends, being like, hey, "I played with a guy who won the Got Milk three v 3 Hey man, I can only hope. You know. I can only hope that that's what they're doing. So uh, those guys were awesome, and I, I learned a lot from them. Um, they just held a vast wealth of knowledge to offer, you know, especially as a, as a younger player coming in at that time, making that first transition to Europe, uh, extremely welcoming guys. You know, me being Croatian, that helped helped me um, gel with them more. Um, and I, I played well. I I had my mindset on, you know, I bought a one-way ticket and I said, I'm, I'm going out there and this is going to happen. You know, I had no intentions of returning because I figured if I had a plan B, then that was going to kind of take away from the plan A of making it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I went out there, did really well in training, uh, played in a couple friendlies with them. And after the first friendly that I played, they had made an offer. And by the time that I had played in a second friendly, um, I put pen to paper and that was kind of the end of it and started my, you know, career playing in Sweden. Yeah. Now, obviously you had older players you were talking about as a mentor, but I think just in general with goalies, when they go to a new club, uh, it's, it's a different situation than a field player. Um, when you come in as a field player, you know, you have maybe 19 other guys on the squad that can share information and kind of what you're doing on the field. When you're a goalie, you're training just with the other goalies, with the goalie coach. So mm -hmm. there's benefits to that, but there's also kind of um, maybe maybe less options of, of people to get to work with in that sense. Right. So you better get along. Right. You better yeah, you kind of have to, those ones, right? You got to gel immediately, you know. Uh, I guess that is the one nice thing about keepers. I mean, it, it is a family. Regardless of where you're coming from, where you're going, uh, it is very welcoming, you know, because you're in that environment where I'm spending an hour with you, just you, you know, three plus a coach or, you know, whatever the numbers may be, but day in and day out, and there's only one of us that's going to get to play. So you have to keep it competitive but it has to be a family environment at the same time. You know, you, you got to do, be willing to do whatever it's going to take to not only make you better, but to help everybody else there progress. And, you know, at times you're sacrificing your repetitions so that the guy that's playing or the guy that's the starter can get in his work and do what he needs to do. So, I mean, a lot of times that means, you know, you as a number two, number three keeper are spending hours on your own, you know, honing in your skills because uh, you're just not getting as many reps as you need you know, when you're in there in the, in the trainings with the first team and things like that. Right. You always see the, whoever's a starting goalkeeper, like when they're taking some shooting drill, he gets what he yeah. wants in. And then he's like, all right, you can, you can take these. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, as funny as it is, that's, that's really how it works. You know, as, as a starting keeper, you kind of get to make that call is, you know, if, if 10 balls is all you need to get yourself ready and you're feeling really good, that's all you need. If you need to take the whole 20 minute shooting drill just to feel good, uh, that's what it is and the rest of the guys are just sitting there waiting for your okay yeah no it's such a um, 
it's such a unique thing. And I think too, as you kind of mentioned, like you're, you're all competing for one spot, any other right. field player, essentially, you know, there's at least probably two positions they could play in on the field. So yeah. it's not necessarily like this one guy is taking my job and that's the reason why I'm not playing. Whereas yeah, like a goalie, exactly. it's like, this is the, uh, this is the position I will be playing. <laughs> you are there. So I think it's right. just very, very unique in general. And then though, yeah. the, the fact that then you have to train so close together all yeah, the time exactly. with that person that has your job is, yeah. is a unique and, scenario. You know, there's, there's no doubt about it. There are frustrating moments with that. Um, I think that just comes with the territory and, you know, being a competitor, obviously you want to play. Um, so, you know, little side of you, there are moments where it's like, yes, that guy missed that ball. You know, uh, you, you obviously keep those in your head to yourself. Uh, but you know, everybody has those moments as a, a guy that's coming, you know, one of the first three off the bench, he has those moments hoping for, you know, somebody in the starting 11 to make those little mistakes so that they can show that they're not going to make them. Right. Uh, you know, I, that's just natural, like I said, being a competitor. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, is you, you do what you got to do. You know, whether you're the starter, you're the number two or three, uh, you do what has to be done, and, and you do it for that, like I said, that family environment that you're in there with, with the other goalkeepers. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Everyone's got an important role to make a successful organization. Yeah. Um, so you, you have your first year in Sweden. Uh, kind of talk through the process at that point. What are you thinking? What's next for you? So, um, obviously, you know, first year going out there, uh, didn't really expect to play much. You know, new club. Uh, it's a place where I have to go and improve myself day in and day out in training. Um, and I get I get time and I get matches here and there. Um, but obviously, you know, it, it takes time. There's a guy that's been there that is the starter. You know, there's somebody that I'm trying to beat out that's established themselves. So, I had expected that coming in. Um, I guess I would say, fortunately for me at that time, we had a second team. Now, the unfortunate thing about us having a second team is the fact that there was already a keeper for the second team. But they needed field players. So I always started at center back for the second team. <laughs> but I will say I banged in five goals for the second team uh, my first year that I was out there. Um, you know, it, I, I was just doing whatever I had to do to stay in shape. You know, I know it's not, uh, being in goal and getting repetitions in goal, but the things that I, I learned as a, as a center back and as a defender, you know, going back to when I first started then to my junior year in college, um, all of those things that you pick up being out on the field, give you a whole different sense of awareness while you're in the goal because you can start to read things from that point of view of those players that are in front of you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as a defender, I know what I want to do in certain situations. So as a goalkeeper, I can translate that better to the defender as to what I want them to do so that we're both on the same page. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing that has helped me out is the ability to read the game from multiple positions. Um, you know, cause I, I will say that, you know, around here, I don't really have, in, in Chicago area, I don't have other friends that are goalkeepers. You know, um, Zach Lubin is a real close friend of mine, but he's only in town, you know, certain times uh, when he's in the offseason visiting, uh, mm -hmm. you know, his girlfriend. 
So when he's in town, him and I do, you know, goalkeeper training together. Outside of that, you know, one of my best friends is, uh, he's like a center back and a six. You know, ever since I got out of out of college, I've only played and trained as a as a field player. Yeah. So that's that's where you know I I got this sense of a feel for my feet, um, and so you know just going through that, I I took that into Sweden. Started playing for the second team. I figured, well, hey, if I'm not going to get many minutes as a goalkeeper for the first team they can take me with the first team, you know, if we're down on numbers and, and throw me a field player kit and say, okay, here's your keeper Jersey. Here's your field player. Bring both of them out there. Cause you never know what's going to happen. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so it was just continuing to do whatever it was going to take to land somewhere in a starting position. Um, you know, I didn't mind it. I enjoyed it. And um, I'd say through that on uh, the connections that I had made that led me to an offer to go play in Portugal. So um, I left uh, just before the season had ended in Sweden. I mean, we ended up winning promotion that year. Uh, Michael Kajelik was on the team that year. He came out kind of midsummer, And uh, so that's how I made acquaintances with him. And I left shortly before the uh, promotion playoff started. And I, I made the move to Portugal. Yeah, so a little bit, a little bit different between Sweden and Portugal. A little bit yeah. different uh, style of play as well. Completely um, different style of play and, and a completely different kind of environment too. Yeah. Well, so what's the experience then in uh, in Portugal for you? Um. So, from a football standpoint of things, I mean the the game there is just so much more technical. Um. But again, you know, I thought that that lended itself to me because I like being very involved as a goalkeeper with the ball. Um, you know, there's times where I get really upset at the fact that nobody has passed me the ball or played me the ball in situations when they should have, you know? Um, so to be in that environment where they wanted to incorporate the keeper as much as possible, um, that, that helped me, that helped me kind of blossom more as a goalkeeper and, made me feel that, yeah, I can, you know, I can do this with my feet because that's the way that the game has transitioned. You know, as a goalkeeper, you have to be able to use your feet. And if mm-hmm. you can't use your feet, then, uh, sorry, you know, we don't want you. We're not looking for that yeah. 70s and 80s style goalkeeper anymore. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, and obviously in Sweden, it's a totally different kind of game. It's a very physically demanding, beat you up kind of old school game. Um, I'd say I was fortunate, like I had mentioned with all the guys that I had played with, that they were trying to keep it as technical as possible. So the transition from the club that I was in in Sweden to where I ended up going in Portugal wasn't as drastic. Um, I would say the just the biggest difference was the um, youth side of the teams. You know, I didn't have guys that were at the end of their careers. I had guys that were at the beginning and middles of their careers. Uh, so just the energy level of, of everything was, you know, instead of being at that eight, we were at a 10 every, yeah. every day in training. Um, the only downside I'd say that I had in, in Portugal is the fact that I had a lot of issues with my ITC. Uh, just having come from Sweden to Portugal, uh, that held up a lot of things for me. And uh, come the winter transfer window, I ended up leaving because I had an offer to go play in Sweden. 
So that was the only downside about the uh, going to Portugal. But um, as far as the team that I was with, the coach that I was with, I mean, that was incredible. You know, we had set records for the most goals scored in a season across any level oh, wow. of Portuguese play, you know, automatic promotion, did all of those big things. Um, and, you know, that was a true family all around, you know, yeah. everybody bought into what we wanted to do and, just that atmosphere. It was, it was incredible. Yeah, no, it's, uh, Portugal is definitely a very desirable place to play, to play some footy yeah. at. Um, so you go back to Sweden. Now you have a, a year of experience in Sweden. You kind of understand the game, um, the style of play in Sweden. Yep. Uh, what are your thoughts then going forward in Sweden? What are you trying to push for? So, um, after having a, I'd say pretty successful first year, you know, from my standpoint, uh, the club had won promotion. Um, I thought I had showed well in the matches that I did play. Uh, you know, I was going back and it was going to be my team. That was the mindset that I was in was, okay, the guy that's there, I know he wants to phase out and basically transition to a number two um, and start to focus on his role to transition to be, even become a coach. So I knew where that guy was at and I knew where I was at. So as soon as the offer came in, I mean, I, I went to work, I was doing everything that I could in the gym and, you know, training with whoever was available to get myself ready to do whatever it took when I got to Sweden to make sure that I was at number one. And, you know, obviously the mindset going into any season at any club is, is promotion. You know, we want to finish top of the table. We want to get that promotion and uh you know you're willing to do whatever it takes to to make that happen yeah for sure for sure uh so how does that year go for you then personally um i'd say i played about half of the matches uh the issue that i had at the time was uh my european passport had uh not been sent to me so i was still traveling on a on a u.s visa so at that point in time uh, i was only able to get a half season in uh, the first year that I was out there between Sweden and Portugal, I was able to get full seasons in, you know, obviously with, with the exception of the, the winter transfer window. Um, that second year in Sweden, I only got a half season in because of, of visa issues, uh, but it was a good half season for me. I, I did well enough to kind of draw attention from some other clubs. Um, and once the seasons ended there in Sweden, I had an offer to come back to the same club that I was at in Sweden, just, you know, based off of those three months that I was there, um, did enough that they were interested. Yeah. Um, obviously there's, uh, there's benefits to being offered a contract from a club you've already been at. It's a lot easier for transition than going in having to find out a whole new club and yeah. how it operates and board and everything. Um, were you at that point at all thinking of trying to go somewhere else or were you pretty set and committed on going back to them? Um, so in between that second year and me deciding to accept the offer to go back for that third year, obviously, you know, I'm looking to try and make connections wherever I can. Uh, no country has been ruled out. Um, there was a point in time where I went down to South America and trialed in Bolivia. Um, I was I was down with Club Bolivar in Bolivia, who's in the the top flight of the Bolivian Football League, and um, 
you know, I went down there, I was down there for a month. Uh, things kind of fell apart for them at the end of the season. So nothing transpired for me from there. But um, going into that, that potential third year in Sweden, I actually had an offer to go play uh, in the Tasmanian Premier League. Um, so I kind of weighed the options of those two. Uh, new opportunity, new country, totally new environment versus some place that I've already established myself in. And, you know, I know the guys that are returning. I know the possibilities that are there. Um, and then financially, what was going to make the most sense for me, you know, as far as what was being offered. Um, so I turned down the offer in Tasmania and, you know, took that offer for that that third year to go back to, to Sweden. And at that point in time, um, you know, had my European passport already been approved. So that visa issue was never, never a question anymore. So I knew as soon as that happened, um, going back to Europe with a European passport playing in Europe was going to open a lot more doors for me. Uh, so I, I took that offer to go back for my third year. Um, got back there for my third year and you know I was in a situation where the coach had already had a keeper there that was his that he wanted and uh, it was tough to break into you know to that role um, even though I had already established myself there you know this goalkeeper was from the coach's hometown and it's like you know they have that relationship there how do I get myself into into that that starting position um it was unfortunate the way that that it worked out but i had to kind of sit there as the number two for basically half of the season uh the guy ended up getting hurt and that's what led me to you know get my opportunity and i hit the ground running uh i came in and we won six or seven in a row i took us out of the relegation place that we were in brought us all the way up to uh, mid-table, and I want to say we finished the season like sixth place that year, uh, you know, just because of that that string of matches that I had uh, I had put us on. Um, so that season finishes up, and, you know, at that point, I had the highlights that I needed, I had the CV that I needed, I had the passport that I needed. It's how do I take that and put myself into another country or mm -hmm. put myself into a higher level here in Sweden, having kind of already, you know, established myself there in, in Scandinavia. Right. So, um, you know, that was how that third year all transpired. Yeah. Um, we had a question from Reed. He wanted to know your thoughts on Malenko. <laughs> um, I'm going to be politically correct and just kind of go with a no comment there. Uh, <laughs> Malenko is a, he's a good guy. Um, but, you know, place favorites. And yeah. It's, it's, it's tough to break into a situation like that. And, uh, you know, that's kind of... Unless, that I'm hey, unless, unless you're then one of, one of his favorites, right, as a, as a player, then that's a good coach to have. Exactly, exactly <laughs> you know. Uh, but, yeah, I would say... Was that, there, uh, was there any discussion with him? on uh after you got starting and obviously the team kind of switches its its form um is is he at all like oh maybe you should have done this earlier or is he just kind of yeah there was that uh well i should say that from a uh sport board standpoint uh there was that yeah 
he should have been our guy from the beginning. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously the coach at the end of the day makes the decisions. The board doesn't have the power to really say who's going to play, who's not going to play. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of that. Yeah. You probably should have been playing from the beginning. This could have been a whole different scenario for us. Yeah, no, it's, uh, so not, not specifically to that, um, situation since I wasn't there, but just in general, it's, it's difficult because there's sometimes it's not working out. A coach continues to trust a player and finally that player, like everything comes together. They have success. Sometimes it's right. the opposite and the guy you should, that was on the bench, you should have had in and the team has success when you switch it. And it's yeah. like every, every time I, I have a saying I call 50-50-90. It's a 50-50 shot of which one is the right choice and 90% of the time you choose the wrong one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, like that's, that. how I, that's how I view it. <laughs> a good old 50-50-90 situation. I like that. Uh, so then, all right, so you finished that year in Sweden. What's the, the next move? How does that all come to, to pass? So uh, finished that time up in Sweden and – with how well that went for me, that run of, of matches at the end of the season, I thought for sure there had to be interest from other clubs. You know, we're in Division Two at the time, so it's the, you know, the fourth tier of, of Swedish football. And I'm sending out to everybody at the uh, Division One level, so at the third tier that I know that needs a keeper or that has seen me play or that I've played against. And just doing whatever it takes, you know, I have a passport, I've established myself, you know, just getting on trial somewhere. Um, and kind of all of those doors, you know, had closed on me. Uh, I was working to see if I could get back into Portugal. Uh, I had friends that were playing at other clubs in Portugal. I was, you know, contacting them to see what situations were like there had actually met with a club, another club in Portugal. Um, and had a pending offer from them. And then at the time that that offer came in, I had a pending offer to return to my same club that I was at in Sweden for a, a fourth season. So uh, again, it was one of those things where I weighed the options um, financially at this point, what's going to make the most sense for me. I established myself already here in Sweden. I know how much I can make. I know what they're willing to do for me. And again, I know players that are coming back. I know what I can do for this club or go into a new situation, new environment in Portugal where, you know, I've heard mixed reviews on how things are going to operate there. Um, the club had been established for a while, but, you know, talking with my former coach, talking with players that were there, players that are interested in going there, uh, it kind of just didn't make sense for me. So I, I made that transition again back to back to Sweden. And, and here we are now for a full season where it's it's me. I am, I'm the number one there going into, you know, my fourth season there in Sweden. So, um, yeah, that's how, that's how that transpired in between. I, I was not able to get looks anywhere. Um, in Scandinavia, it's hard, man. I mean, you, you played there. You know how it works. Um, coaches are not always inclined to respond to messages to emails to you know calls from other coaches and things like that and uh that is a very hard game to break into uh, unlike other countries where you can shoot out emails and say hey you know uh i'm interested in you know i'm in town for this amount of time can i come and trial with you and they're pretty quick to respond and say yeah sure come out for a day come out for a week you know things like that 
it's a very tough game there in Scandinavia from that standpoint. Yeah, the uh, the emails and phone numbers on a lot of the team websites seem to not actually be accurate with how few responses yeah. you get. Yeah. Uh, so you have you have success there, um, and then what's what's the next play after that? How do we get to where we are today? Um, so I I finished out the first half of the season there in Sweden. Actually had an offer for the Division One level. Um, so I went and trained with them, nothing transpired, uh, finished out the season there for my, my fourth year in Sweden. Um, again, all these years that I was there, um, good old cause was there with me. So, uh, you know, him and I have, have quite a good relationship and, you know, talk all the time, things like that. And he's not too far away from me. So, uh, you know, he had left to uh, head out to Finland the beginning of that fourth year that I was there. And, I, you know, obviously him and I talk every day. So he was keeping me in tabs on what's had, what's going on out there. Um, finished out my season in, in Sweden. Again, got the highlights that I was looking for. Thought that I had, you know, the performances that I needed out there to, if not get an offer somewhere at a higher level in Sweden make myself presentable, um, you know, to cause so that he can put in a good word for me to, to head out to Finland. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about, all about setting yourself up for the next step, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, as funny as it is, I mean, football, it's a business, but it's all about who, you know, at the end of the day, mm -hmm. you know, who do you know that's played there? Who do you know that has the contacts to, to get you where you need to go. Yeah, we got we got Reed on. He said, who is your favorite player, person from the Barrington area in Illinois? And I guess he's assuming he doesn't want to be named himself, so. Oh. I, you know what? Honestly, yeah. I'm probably going to have to go with his wife, Kayla, just because I'm going to consider her in that Barrington area. I mean, she's obviously more talented than Reed is, so. I'll allow it. A lot. <laughs> he he comes on here. He comments, and people just roast him. I feel I feel bad for him. Yeah, uh, you know what? He knows he knows it's all true though, so it's okay. <laughs> uh, real quick before we finish, uh, looking back on your your entire career, you've obviously had a lot of different experiences. Um, what what advice would you give yourself uh, to fifteen year old you? Fifteen year old me. Um, also, before you answer, shout out, Kayla, you said yes, number one dog, so, representing. <laughs> That's what's up. What up, Kayla? Um, I would say to 15-year-old, to you know, me, um, the biggest things that, that, that kind of I took away going forward was, one, you know, I should have spent more time in the weight room and that, that physical training side of things. Um, you know, because as a goalkeeper, then, uh, honestly, you know, you're, you're hesitant at times coming off your line and things like that. If you, if you don't have that size, you know, so I got to a point in my career when I hit the, the university level where I had put on the muscle that I was looking for, the size, it was like, you know, this is going to hurt you a lot more than it's going to hurt me coming out for a mm -hmm. ball. Um, so the, the training side of things, hitting the weight room spending a lot more attention to detail and things in there is one. And I would also say knowing what I know now and how the game has transpired is using your feet more. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I didn't spend that much time training as a field player, you know, when I was in, in high school and, and at that 15 year age, had I been at the point where I am now with my feet, then, you know, who knows where I would be at with things now. Um, I, I think those are probably two of the biggest things is as a goalkeeper, you can never do enough work with your feet. Um, you know, and the gym, how important the gym is. And knowing that now, I mean, I, I spend every day in the gym working on different things like that because the benefits that that has, I mean, just far surpass anything else that, you know, you could be doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, we got a question. In one word, describe Malenko. <laughs> in one word, describe Malenko. Uh, character. Okay, that's a good word. Uh, we have, not, oh, well, you keep going, keep going. No, I was, I was going to say character, uh, not in the sense of like, um, like character in the sense of uh, silly. Yeah. <laughs> a goofy guy. <laughs> uh, your goalkeeper coach wants you to aim for 100 kilos. So. <laughs> good Lord. Listen, man, I... <laughs> I've ne I've never even come close to touching ninety five, so uh, I think a hundred's a, a little stretch for me. He's he's trying to uh, he's trying. I'm trying to convince him to push for a hundred. You know, oh, so he needs he needs somebody else to join him. Yeah, because he's a he's a big gym rat, so he okay, needs, well, he needs someone on that adventure. Listen, I can throw up hundred kilos and plenty of different weights. I just don't want my body to be at a hundred kilos right now. We want the all around hundred. <laughs> I'll try my best, but I mean, you know, I don't know if you're going to be happy with what a hundred kilos looks like as a keeper. <laughs> Moving, diving for balls in slow motion. Basically, that's what it's going to look like. Why, man? Why is he always moving in slow motion? I don't get it. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, I appreciate you telling your story. Uh, it's uh, it's an interesting one. It's it's unique and how it kind of bounced around and different things. How you, you know, we're, I feel like most goalies by the time they hit fourteen never see the field again, and yet you know you have experiences that that are are that and kind of unique, um, possibly yeah. even you know disappointing in the moment. But now it's turned out to benefit you as a goalkeeper. Yeah, and absolutely. Your foot and awareness on the uh, the mental side of understanding a striker's positioning and all. Yeah. So I appreciate absolutely. you it's, being on, man. I guess I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, man. Stay safe, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, this coronavirus we can get it figured out and get get you over here starting training. God, man, I hope so. This needs to get sorted real quick. <laughs> All right, man. Take care. Talk to you later. Right, buddy. We'll, we'll see you, man. All right, bye.